Welcome to Hustle and Pro Season 2, talking sports in Frisco from youth to pro. Now here's your host, Kelly Walker. Welcome to this episode of Hustle and Pro. I'm your host, Kelly Walker, and we have our friend Swad Betovich with us. He's going to school us on all things going on in the world of chess right now. So there's actually a lot to talk about. I'm really excited. Um, Swad, you have all the info for today. You're gonna sure. you're gonna kinda, you know, kinda drive this bus because you know all the good stuff. All I've done is watch a documentary or two and played a few games of chess on my phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're way ahead of me, obviously. And so I wanna hear about that. I wanna hear uh, your your life in chess, and then um, let's talk about a couple of the the pop culture things happening, and and why everybody else seems to be talking about chess lately too. Absolutely, I mean uh, it, it's kind of interesting to mention that you know your podcast is related to sports. So some might ask, you know, why are we talking about chess? Is chess a sport? And that's like a question that we're not going to touch these days because it's a very contentious one out there in the world. Even some of the the best players uh, out there say that that chess is not really a sport because there's not an athletic component, uh, but then there's research that says you know players uh, lose five pounds uh, you know in the course of one game because of all the brain activity and the uh, calories that they burn okay. just by thinking. Uh, so you know there are aspects uh, of of all of that, and and definitely there's a competition aspect. Uh, which we'll talk about quite a lot today. I mean, I do think it's a sport. I don't mm-hmm. think all sports have to be physical. Right. Um, there's a lot of things that we do that we compete. I see it more of the competition side yes. of it. Yeah, yes, I absolutely. Mean, so, I mean, I don't think, I, I'm not saying chess players are athletes, mm-hmm. but I do think chess is a is a sport. Yes. And uh, it, it's interesting you mentioned that because uh, in their preparation uh, for the grueling schedule that they usually have, uh, a lot of chess players actually uh, watch what they eat, they exercise. I mean, they, they have to keep uh, in shape uh, simply because it actually it requires so much effort uh, mentally to to play chess. All right. So start us off with, um, I don't know, like what what's the phenomenon lately that people like me who are, I wouldn't even say I'm a casual chess player. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not even that, you know, in this last year. It's on my radar. Yeah. So why is that? Well, uh, unfortunately, one of the main reasons is because of the pandemic. And a lot of people are just kind of stuck in their homes with not much to do. Right. Um, However, before I get to that, I want to kind of uh, rewind a few more years uh, because over the last, uh, we'll even say five to ten years, uh, chess has been growing in popularity, especially on online streaming platforms, YouTube and Twitch in particular, because it lends itself so good uh, to online presentation. Uh, You have websites where you can play chess. chess Chess.com and leechess.org are the most popular. And then all the best players in the world play on those uh, chess sites. There are millions of other people all across the world uh, who are members of those sites. So it's actually relatively easy to just go online, pick up a a game of chess and uh, and play. In addition to all of that, uh, there's been a a surge of content creation. Uh, which are usually really strong uh, chess players, international masters or gen, uh, grandmasters, um, and they put out videos where they talk about, I don't know, a certain opening, or they maybe analyze a mm-hmm. certain game, or they maybe talk about a current event that might be going on in the world of chess. Uh, so chess has been kind of gaining steam, especially last year, um, chess.com in particular, um, the website that's probably the biggest one, mm-hmm. um, they got a lot of chess personalities to kind of come on board and, and help 
helped him promote uh, chess as a game, and uh, it just exploded uh, in popularity just because there were so many more people that, that were playing it. I see the irony there. Mm-hmm. This is a, a game that is played on a board, right, mm-hmm. traditionally. Yep. For the last couple of thousand years, right? Yeah, so you go from this traditionally in-person, you know, mm-hmm. one-person, one-person game on a board to what you, I'm hearing you say is now they've made it accessible because of digi- making making it digital and accessible. You can play it on your phone. And they've just jumped on board with, like, getting in engagement from people mm-hmm. online. That's right. So it's made the leap. Yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of, uh, again, unfortunate that, uh, you know, the regular chess that we are used to, which uh, which most people call OTB or over the board when, you know, two players are, you know, looking over the board at, at their pieces, is almost non-existent. But before I go any further, I, I have to mention that last year uh, in 2020 in March, the last event that got canceled, actually, it, it, they, they started the event uh, and then they canceled it halfway through, mm-hmm. uh, was the tournament to determine the challenger to the world champion. Uh, it's called uh, uh, the candidates tournament because all of those guys are candidates for uh, to be a, a, the challenger. So, so that tournament determines who gets to challenge the reigning Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah, that's kind of the system that uh, that the world of chess has. And uh, when the pandemic started, the, the tournament was in uh, in Russia, and they kind of decided to kind of stick around as long as they can and play as many games as as they can. But uh, once uh, the flights started shutting down and everything else, uh, the players kind of had to had to bolt, and that tournament was interrupted literally halfway through, exactly halfway through. And uh, there was an interesting uh, tidbit of information because uh, one of the players uh, decided that he was not comfortable playing in the tournament because they they were seeing the the virus kind of uh, Mm -hmm. starting to spread and he decided to withdraw. So they replaced him with another guy. Uh, so the first guy, his name is Rajabov, uh, and they replaced him with a French player, uh, Maxime Bashir Lagrave. And so halfway through the tournament, Maxime Bashir Lagrave is leading the tournament. Uh, I think he's the co-leader with a couple of others. And meanwhile, they stopped the tournament, and Rajabo is like, hey, you know, if what? you're going to c- continue this tournament, what about me, what right? About me? Uh, so, so there was a lot of uh, controversy around that, and, and uh, the solution was that uh, Rajabo is going to get automatic entry into the next candidates tournament. Uh, is that like a year away, though? A couple of years away, okay. yes. And then this year, they're going to uh, finish this tournament, which is, you know, still kind of suspended. Oh, yeah. so there was no resolution. There was no winner of that not yet no oh, okay yeah so they, they have to play crazy. yeah so they have to play like uh eight or nine more uh rounds uh and that's gonna happen later this year wow. and then at the end of the year winner of that tournament uh plays Man, for the world all the other sports that had to hit pause they figured out a way to resume somehow but mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i could see though that's a big tournament in in russia like you said you yeah. you can't easily maybe get all pick back up and get that exact group back together right especially not uh not back then right they have to kind of put it on pause and and they'll they'll continue it later on but as we speak right now our listeners in the future probably know the outcome of of the tournament that's going on right now okay. it, it is an over the board tournament uh, in Waikanze in Netherlands it's uh, like one of the oldest tournaments in the world and usually has hundreds and hundreds of players uh, playing in different categories and different sections but uh, this time around I think there's only 14 of them 
and they are playing over the board. They have very strict uh, COVID protocols. Uh, and uh, one of the uh, American players, uh, Fabiano Caruana, is actually one of the co-leaders of the tournament as uh, we speak. There's three more games to go. Uh, so he may end up uh, winning uh, that tournament, hopefully. Yeah. That was an American name? Yes, okay. Fabiano Caruana, yes. And, and the reason he's playing is because he lived in... Uh, in Europe throughout that whole time. There are American players who are just as good as him uh, who were not able to travel to Europe because of, of these restrictions and, and take part in that tournament. All right, you've mentioned Russia and the Netherlands and mm -hmm. um, all these places where chess is more popular than it is here, I'm sure. But tell me really quick, what's your personal connection with chess? Um, I started playing chess as a kid. That's usually kind of how it happens. Uh, my dad was a really strong player. Um, and and this, tell us where you grew up. I grew up in Bosnia, yeah. uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina, back in Europe. Um, learned chess when I was, I don't even know, like five, six, or seven years old. Uh, I was very interested in playing. And uh, the most important part is I was not all the way discouraged by the fact that my dad was beating me every game, right? And he didn't want to let me win, so I had to kind of figure it out. Mm -hmm. uh, and then once I figured it out, I joined some local clubs and, you know, played one or two tournaments, lost some games, won some games. Um, and I always had that kind of um, fascination with uh, with chess. And and I also like to uh, to mention that I was when I had teenagers in our in our household. I was making fun of them for watching other people play video games, mm -hmm. like because sure. that that's really popular yeah, on sports. yeah on on uh, Twitch and YouTube. And then I caught myself watching other people playing chess, or not even that, but watching other people talk about other people playing chess. And then I was like, okay, there's there's something interesting there. So it, yeah. it, I know I hear what you're saying because it is a weird phenomenon. Thinking we see the kids doing it, but then if you step back and go, okay, well, hold on. Mm -hmm. We watch sports commentators comment about sports all the time. Right, and point out things that we don't necessarily see in yeah. the moment. And then we're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And yeah. we watch tape of games again mm -hmm. and players. And there's a lot of ways that we can consume, you know, sports that isn't the actual organic game part of it. So, yeah, we got to give the kids a break sometimes. Yes. Because sometimes when they're watching those things, they're, you, you watch them to get better. You pick up things. Exactly. You, get, you gain knowledge by watching others do the thing you want to go do. And that actually brings me to the next step in the evolution of chess. Um, sometime uh, in the last 10 years or so, uh, St. Louis Chess Club uh, was, was really popular. Uh, it was uh, founded by a um, uh, financing millionaire uh, in St. Louis, and he was able to uh, create tournaments with large prizes that would attract highest uh, rated players in the world. Uh, he would uh, attract uh, grandmasters who would come there and teach uh, camps or classes or, or and so on and create videos. And then those videos can serve basically as a, as a studying tool. Mm -hmm. You can watch those videos about a particular opening or, or some kind of a pattern in, in certain games, and then you can improve your game by by watching those videos. And of course, that type of content became very popular. And by now, I have a, a number here that uh, in December of 2020, there were uh, 2.8 million viewer hours for just one chess streamer. Uh, oh, wow. In the month of December. Um, wow. Uh, he, his name is Hikaru Nakamura. Nakamura. He's uh, an American grandmaster, one of the best players in, in the world, uh, definitely one of the best 
uh, blitz chess players in the world or speed chess speed. players. And uh, he has a very popular Twitch channel. Uh, every time you tune in, there's at least 15 or 20,000 people uh, watching, watching him, him play. Uh, watching him play or do puzzles or, you know, do whatever. Do whatever he's doing. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Right. At this point, mm-hmm. he's gone to that point. It doesn't matter what he's doing. That's right. Just want to watch it. N- uh, now, I will say that by the time I got to him on that list, he was number 50 on overall list uh, of Twitch streamers. Uh, but he was first in the chess category. So obviously there are other other streamers uh, that are more popular, but, you know, chess is uh, in the conversation. Yeah, that's great. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Okay, can we talk about the Queen's Gambit? Absolutely. Let's talk about it. <laughs> this is my, my very novel attempt at understanding things. Um, you know, Ryan and I watched it kind of late in the game. I think mm-hmm. everybody had already seen it, and then we we jumped on board, and I loved it. I thought it was weirdly... Fascinating. It yeah. it is, uh, and it was it was really good, uh, really good story. It was based on a book that I think came uh, somewhere in the in the eighties by Walter Tevis. It was called mm-hmm. the, the Queen's Gambit. And uh, whenever I watch a movie that that has anything to do with chess, uh, I pay attention to the chess part, right? Yeah, the technical pieces of it. Yeah, yeah. and some uh, some uh, movies or, or shows they just kind of set the pieces, you know, so that they look good. And it's like a prop, kind of. Right, right, yeah. But I have uh, a feeling this was a little more than that. N- oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, they they were really really careful. Uh, to make sure that the chess part of the of the show is really well done, and then later I found out that one of the consultants on the show was Gary Kasparov, who is, uh, you know, a chess champion, wor- world champion for over twenty years. He's probably one of the five best players of all time, oh, right? Wow. Uh, so he was one of the consultants, and and the cool thing is that uh, the last game uh, of the show um, is actually based on a real game. Uh, oh, like the moves are legitimately what happened in that. Absolutely. And then at one wow. at one point, Gary and a couple of other people, with the help of computer engines, they found a better continuation for one of the players. And that's the continuation that we see in the show. We actually see exactly the moves, and there are many videos and articles on YouTube where you can find out analysis of, of that game. Uh, but to me, it was really cool that, you know, it wasn't just, you know, actors moving pieces on a board. It, it was an actual game, uh, and, and they created into something that, that's very dramatic and that could actually happen. Are the names of everybody, are those real-life names? Is there really a Beth Harmon? Is there really, are those just characters? They, they are characters. Uh, I was told that Beth Harmon was a composite of a couple of different characters. And one of them is somebody that pretty much anybody in the United States can mention if you ask, name a chess player. Oh, you're asking me? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I, I don't. All right. But most people will say <laughs> most people will say Bobby Fischer. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. There sure. you go. Right. I mean, Bobby yeah, Fischer yeah, yeah. was was the, the first American and so far the only American uh, chess world champion. Uh, he was a great personality. There was there was a boom in chess that, that followed um, his uh, his career. And the only reason I know that name uh-huh. is from a movie made about him. Yes. Like, I don't even know that that's a real person. Yes. So, yeah. And I, I, I'd love to mention uh, one of the movies that I watched recently called uh, Searching for Bobby Fischer. Mm-hmm. Uh, because now, because of the popularity of Queen's Gambit, all of these chess movies are kind of coming up. Mm-hmm. So I, I watched that one for the first time recently. And it's actually really, really good. And I would I would recommend everybody 
uh, to watch it. So searching for Bobby Fischer. Okay. Uh, but to go back to, to Queen's Gambit, uh, yes, uh, it, it kind of follows a little bit of the career of Bobby Fischer because he was kind of like a child prodigy. Mm-hmm. But there, there are many other uh, influences. And players that Beth Harmon plays throughout uh, her uh, career are, are not actual. Are not actual players. There, there are characters, but uh, it, it kind of shows the world of chess at the time more or less accurately. Um, obviously, some things are either sped up for for the dramatic sure. effect or, yeah. or for storytelling. But for the most part, that is uh, that is a very accurate uh, description of chess world. So I'm not asking if you take tranquilizers to um, enhance, you know, the way you see the game. But can you relate to? how she can, you know, visualize moves being played and, like, she's obviously was at an obsessive point Mm -hmm. with trying to be better and and master the game. But as a chess player, do you do that in your head? Um, I try to. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not always successful, but people who are successful at it uh, do uh, those visualization exercises. Uh, Specifically in the movie Searching for Bobby Fischer, Ben Kingsley plays uh, an old grandmaster. uh, That uh, movie was based on a true story. And he says, don't make a move until you see all of it. Right. So yeah. so you kind of have to figure it out. It's called calculation. You know, a chess player say you have to calculate what happens if you do this and then your opponent does that. So you kind of have to visualize that in your head. And actually, Hikaru, who I mentioned a minute ago, a lot of times when he plays online, he'll look up. And just kind of and that's probably what he's doing. Pause and and, and yeah, it's it's kind of like they, they look away from the board just so they can see it in their head, and then they come back and see play how more. it would play out. See, that's why I say, I mean, obviously, chess people are smart and intelligent, but that's where I get lost. Mm-hmm. I don't get to see several steps ahead, right? Like in that sport, that I, is... I can in other sports that I'm used to playing. Mm-hmm. Like I can see a play develop or whatever, but I don't understand me moving this chess piece, why that is probably going to make you move that one a certain way. Like, right. I just don't see the four or five steps ahead like everybody can. And what, uh, what's, what's interesting about chess is it's one of those games that, uh, you know, as the saying goes, it's easy to learn, but it takes a lifetime to master. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, it's very popular on that, um, you know, five to ten years old level, right, where, where kids are just kind of learning how the pieces go and all that. But there is so much more to learn uh, after that. And uh, the best players in the world dedicate their lives to it. That they, they practice, you know, eight hours a day. That That's their job, mm-hmm. right? Because they, they travel from tournament to tournament, you know, compete for prizes and so on. The very best of them uh, get into that um, candidates tournament. They try to be the champion of the world, right? Uh, so it, it can be anywhere from just a casual hobby, which it is for me, mm-hmm. uh, but it can be, you know, something that uh, that people uh, want to do a little bit like more seriously. Master, yeah. So how mm-hmm. casual is it? How often do you play? Are you, not when we're in a COVID situation, but mm-hmm. in normal, do you play tournaments? How do you play? Uh, so I, I was looking uh, for, for chess clubs uh, to play in uh, right before COVID happened. And uh, I, I found a couple of places in Frisco uh, where you can play chess. And then I, I actually uh, went to the website for the U.S. Chess Federation to look up any more. Uh, so uschess.org. And then you can look up affiliates. 
And so I have here that uh, there's an Independence Pro Chess Club at the Independence High School in okay. Frisco. Okay. Uh, there's Smart Chess Champions, uh, which is a business here in Frisco. And we can uh, use um, uh, the show notes to, to yeah, kind of leave definitely. these. Uh, Smart for, Chess for, Champions is a business here in Frisco. Right, right. Okay. Yes, yeah, just on the street here on Main Street. There's uh, 64 Squares USA, uh, which also has a Frisco address. And finally, Big Star Chess Club. Uh, also here in Frisco. So wow. a quick shout out. There are clubs here that, that uh, players can uh, join and, and play. I haven't, but I was just kind of in the process of, of figuring out uh, a few um, a few of those chess clubs that, that do have rated tournaments where you can join the U.S. Chess Federation, get a rating, um, you know, play against other players, uh, which uh, in a lot of cases might be, you know, 12-year-old kids. Right. Uh, but, but it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't. And in a lot of cases, they'll be better than I am. So you're not rated yet? I'm not, okay. no. Uh, I, saw, I, am, I saw a social media comment about you being rated, and yes. I thought, oh, boy. That's my, that's my chess.com rating. So, And in, on chess.com, you have different types of games depending on the speed of the game. So obviously the slower games where you get to think a little bit more, uh, you're going to find better moves, and you're, you're usually going to be more successful. So mm-hmm. my rating is uh, a little bit inflated there. Uh, but my blitz rating, which is a little bit more popular, uh, online uh, is about twelve, thirteen hundred or so. Wow! And and I will mention that part of the reason why blitz chess is more popular online is that there's less opportunity for people to cheat. I was going to ask you, can you cheat? Yes, yes, you can. So sometime uh, I have an article somewhere here. I think it was in '95. Uh, Gary Kasparov, which we mentioned earlier, best player in the world at the time, uh, you know, probably one of the best players ever. Mm-hmm. He was playing a series of matches that some of uh, your listeners may remember against, uh, I think it was called the Deep Blue, uh, the IBM com- chess computer. Yeah. Uh, he barely won the first one, and then they made some modifications uh, to the computer, and next year he actually ended up losing. Pretty sure. Pretty shortly after that, uh, computers ended up being far better uh, than humans at chess. And Which they they should, I guess, it, if it's you know there's yeah, calculations, there's a finite exactly. amount of spaces and moves. And that, that's so right, like, and they can assess the position. Yeah. They say, okay, if I play this, I'm going to be better percentages and than, yes, yeah. exactly. So, so like IBM Watson can calculate it yes. really quick and beat beat most people. Absolutely. Yeah. So. Um, back in in the world of of uh, Beth Harmon, there's uh, there's one game that's adjourned in, mm-hmm. in the show, right? They get to a certain point and then they adjourn. They um, spend some time, you know, with their friends and uh, they say, okay, maybe this will be yeah. the best move. And then if he plays that, when then we can go into this variation. Well, when computers came around, everybody could just look that up on the computer and prepare for the game, and you know, the next day they could win. So there are no more adjourned games. They're, they are played all the way through the end okay. uh, from start to finish. That's a thing of the past. Yes. But then when they adjourned, didn't they have to seal their next move in an that's, envelope? That's right. Well, to help, help for the next move. Right. But the, the other player doesn't know what the move is, right? right? So they kind of have to play for, uh, prepare for I a variety cool. of moves. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, that, cause, kept it, it kept it interesting. Right, right. Because that player commits to that move. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just that the other player doesn't know, and then they get to prepare um, a, a response to any possible moves that but they But they don't do expect. that anymore. No. 
That no. practice is gone. Right. And then if you play online, uh, there are tournaments that where there are cash prizes and such. And if you want to qualify for the cash prizes, you have to verify your account. Uh, in a lot of cases, you have to have multiple cameras. Uh, you have to share your screen. Oh, wow. Yes, uh, because uh, you can have a computer play a game on, on the second screen, and then you can see what Mimic. you can play or, or, oh or, or something like that, right? So they're like watching. They want to make sure you're a human is playing that game, that's that right. actual game. That's right. And that that's ex- especially the case with invitational tournaments uh, like U.S. Championship uh, that was played uh, last year. Uh, I believe it was October, November. Players are invited to play, but they have to agree that, you know, they have to have a camera behind them. They have to do this and that. And uh, all in the effort to minimize uh, the potential uh, for cheating. Now, that's not to say that, that you can't cheat in in-person games, you know, because there are there have been grandmasters who have been caught going to the restroom where somebody left oh. a phone and they can look up moves on the phone because literally even... The computer inside your phone is stronger okay. than any chess player, human chess player in the world. So there have been uh, scandals so all like those, that. So all those cheating instances involve technology with the computer. Yes. I mean, are there are there ways to cheat, though, if you're sitting on OTB with someone? Like, I, I don't know. I can't imagine unless the other person just doesn't catch that you did something illegal. Right. I mean, you you had uh, situations in, in the old days where people were... Uh, accused of having like an earpiece where somebody okay. is giving them moves or, you know, or something yeah, like that. Feeding them information. Right, yeah. right, yeah. Uh, or, you know, if you have a game going on, you know, don't ask your friend to, you know, what what should I play in this situation, yeah. right? And so to go back to what I was saying originally, when you have blitz games where you have only five minutes, when you only have three minutes for the whole game, yeah. You don't have time, time. yeah, to to go over here. It's you, and you got to figure it out. That's right. And so uh, some of these uh, streamers uh, who are usually really strong players uh, themselves, uh, international masters or grandmasters, they only play three-minute games uh, because they know that if if they play even a five-minute game, that gives the opponent uh, the time to look up moves uh, and and play them in time to uh, to beat them. Wow, those scenes in the Queen's Gambit when they were doing the speed chess was always really intense because yes. well the multiple player one was was mm-hmm. like when she was really little and she was playing all of the kids at the high school mm-hmm. club that was interesting. But then the speed when she would you know lose those bets after bets and then right. figure it out later. But those are intense. I think that's why the game is so unique to me is mm-hmm. that. Well, I mean, very rarely are there other games when it is just one person and and what is what they have in their minds competing against one other person when they have in their minds. Because even when yeah. you think of individual sports like golf or boxing or tennis, you still have in tennis. Yeah, there's just I don't know. There's still breaks and times to talk with your coach and during the yes. match and and you know your caddy and all these other like parts of your team. Mm-hmm. Whereas chess feels very you're on your own, independent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's that's true, and it's it's very uh, it's very individualistic, and because of that one-on-one aspect, it's actually easier to determine 
who's a better player. Uh, and I mentioned ratings earlier. Uh, you can get a rating with the, any national federation, U.S. Chess Federation here uh, in the States. Uh, FIDE is the international organization that manages uh, the game of chess uh, around the world, and they have their own uh, rating system. So nobody is underrated or overrated in chess, right? Because they play other players who have their own rating, and based on those ratings, uh, using some complicated math, they figure out whether their rating goes up if they yeah. win and, uh, or down if they lose. Yeah. Uh, you can always kind of know where you stand against anybody else. And uh, bigger tournaments have sections where if you're a player under, let's say, 1,500, well, you're not going to play against the grandmaster who may be 2,600, right. right, who is much higher rated than you. So they have sections where they, where they divide to the tournament. To make the competition yeah, you know, a little fair. Bit better. Mm-hmm. What else you have on your on your notebook? Well, um, I know you I know you brought some info, so I want to make yes, sure you get it all. Get yes, it to us. so I I want to mention for for uh, those uh, of you uh, who are let's say twenty five years of age and younger, um, they may know people like XQC or Moist Critical or Mr Beast and uh, people who are you and me. We've never even heard of these people, right? Those are some of the best viewed. Uh, streamers and content creators on both Twitch and YouTube. Okay. And they uh, they actually played in a couple of tournaments last year, chess tournaments, where the best players, where best chess players of the world give them lessons. So those lessons become streams where people can tune in and, and watch, mm-hmm. you know, Hikaru Nakamura give lessons to XQC, right? So you have XQC viewers uh, who are in the millions. You have uh, Hikaru's viewers who are, you know, uh, tens, tens of thousands. And that's obviously a, a great content. It's yeah. very entertaining. And then those players, those, those people who are brand new to chess, they play a tournament, and these grandmasters are the commentators. I wish he would play, you know, oh, cool. Bishop C4 yeah. or whatever. And it, it's kind of fantastic fun uh, to watch those players kind of agonize over moves and try to remember what they learned in those lessons. It's, it's, actually, it's actually a lot of fun. Those uh, tournaments are called Pog Champs. Uh, it's, a, it's a Twitch term. Um, so, you know, it, the world of online chess has their own terminology. So you have to learn that the H-pawn is called Harry. You have to learn to never play F6. You have to, you know, learn all of these, like, little uh, cool uh, that things. That is cool. And so you got to be in the know. Yeah, you got to be. It's kind of like an inside joke. Uh, and so I, I want to mention that in this third iteration of this tournament, which is coming up uh, in the spring, I think February or March, there will be a couple of players that uh, you might be familiar with. Rain Wilson uh-huh. from The Office yeah. is going to be uh, in the tournament. And Daniel Negranu, who is one of the best uh, poker players in the world, uh, has been getting chess lessons. Cool. And, and he's going to be playing in that tournament, too. Cool. Uh, so that, that's going to be kind of interesting to Getting watch. some celebrity action. Exactly. Because the thing is, we, we like watching the best players in the world play. But honestly, people like me, I don't understand what the moves are all about, right? Because the ideas that they have in their heads are way too advanced for me. And they, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have commentators who will kind of break it down. But I can't quite appreciate it. But when people who are about 
my strength or, or maybe even lower yeah. play each other, I'm like, no, 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 play that, play yeah. that. Like I, you I can see kind that. of, yeah. yeah, I can relate to that a little bit more. And then of course, you know, those, those players have a huge following, like I said, both on YouTube and other social media. It's going to be a, it's going to be a, a great fun to watch. Very cool. I'll look out for it. Mm-hmm. And then one last thing that I want to mention is uh, who the, the uh, characters are. Currently, the number one rated chess player mm-hmm. in the world is also the top esports earner in the year 2020. Uh, his name is Magnus Carlsen. He's from Norway. He's been the world champion since 2000. And, Norway? Yeah. Okay. He's been the world champion from uh, since 2013. Wow. Yeah. Uh, That's so a long eight, run. Eight years. Uh-huh. Uh, he's 33 years old. He's he's probably at, at the peak of his power. That his, seems young to be on an eight-year run. Yes. A lot of these players, a lot of these uh, streamers, they're all like 25. Hikaru is 33 also. A lot of them are in the uh, in the late 20s that or so. That speaks to the future of chess. I mean, Absolutely. it's not an old man's game. It, it, I mean, it, it's an old game. Right. But the popular players right now are not old people. No, that that is true it, with certain exceptions. Uh, my favorite uh, chess stream. Uh, is Grandmaster Benjamin Feingold, uh, who I believe is in her his early 50s. Okay. And he's been one of the best players in, in the United States for, um, you know, 10 or 20 years between, like, let's say, uh, 95 and 2005. That, that was kind of his peak. But uh, he was the Grandmaster in residence at that St. Louis chess club that I mentioned, uh, created a lot of videos. He has a very uh, humorous style of presentation, a lot of cool. dad jokes, yeah. a lot of puns. Uh, <laughs> it's it's actually really kind of fun to uh, watch him play chess and teach chess and play his viewers. And he has a lot of inside jokes as well. Uh, he may not be as popular as, as some of the others, but it was kind of interesting because I just watched him in a tournament against players uh, his own strength and stronger. And he dominated. Even though he's in his 50s, he played really strong, uh, won all but maybe one or two of his games. Uh, so he's he's actually much better than, than people give him credit for just because he's old, right? I think that's cool. I think that's a neat factor mm-hmm. in the sport is that... It can be a 52-year-old man playing. It could be a 16-year-old girl playing. And if they're on the same playing level, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. That's Just right. Just sit down and, and figure it out. And that's very cool. Yeah. There's, we don't see that a lot in that's a lot true. of different things that we in competitions that we see, especially international play. Like, there's just not many places where you're going to cross genders and age groups like that. Absolutely. Like I love we, that. We mentioned tennis. Uh, you know, you can't even imagine somebody no. in their... 30s or 40s playing against genders. Right, right. I mean, even that, but yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so I love that. Okay, well, you've given us a lot. And do you have a lot more? Um, (laughs) I I just want to say that uh, United States has become a little bit more of a chess power over the last uh, five years or so. We have a a lot of really good players. The last challenger to Magnus Carlsen uh, for the world championship was Fabiano Caruana, who I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have Hikaru. We also have Wesley So, uh, Sam Shankland. We have a couple of other really, really good players who are like in the top 20, top 50 in the world. Our Olympic team, which actually chess has an Olympiad, uh, so not in the uh, in you know regular the, Olympics, mm-hmm. but they have their their, their Olympics on their own. Uh, they are very strong, um, right up there with.
with with China and Russia. Oh, good. Uh, I so, wondered if if you know if Russia is still the powerhouse and if we're anywhere close. Y- yes. So oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, Absol- absolutely. And and uh, actually, in 2019, at that World Championship match, Caruana and Carlson played 24 games, and they were all draws. Uh, so Caruana is like right up wow. there with uh, with uh, uh, Carlson, yeah. and uh, you know I was hoping that uh, U.S. would have a chess champion again, you know, for the first time since Bobby Fischer. Uh, but uh, Fabiano is doing well in that candidates tournament, so he if he wins it, he gets another shot. Uh, but I- even some of the other players who are coming up are are really strong, and I think uh, America has a really good future in chess. That's fantastic. Yeah. Lots of information. I know. I know. I know. It's hard to fit it all in this, in my, you know, somewhat shortened time frame here on this mm-hmm. on this podcast format. But, but I'm so glad that we did this. I know that you have all this interest and knowledge, and you know, mine's just sort of starting to peak on this. So I'm happy to learn and to hear all these names. And yeah, we'll put some of it in the show notes so that people can go click and check out some of these resources and things too. So Absolutely. Yeah. And and uh, definitely with the popularity of, of Queen's Gambit, uh, people are picking chess up again. Yeah. Because everybody has a chess set somewhere or right in a, in a closet sitting somewhere. Or on their phone. Or on their phone. That's right. Yeah. Well, thanks, Swad. Thanks for coming in. And thank you guys for listening to this episode of Hustle and Pro. Make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Podcasts, and we'll see you next time.